Crossing, we're so glad that you are here. Uh, thanks for joining us today. And summer shenanigans are happening, and all you students in Refuge, we have some brand new t-shirts back there for summer shenanigans, and they're 10 bucks a piece. So students, there's for you. You can get them after service, and adults, if anybody wants some, you're welcome to them as well. Well, we are going to continue talking about the upside-down kingdom that we are living in through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask you guys, if you would, to go with me uh, to Luke chapter 11. Today we're going to be talking about prayer. It's not exactly what you might think. Uh, and we're going to take some time and go through Luke chapter 11. But let's just start with this one verse that I'd like for us to read. It says this, Luke chapter 11, verse 8. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your, and I would ask for your help here, these next two words, say them out loud, because of your shameless persistence. One more time, shameless persistence. Does anybody here share with me the fear of being annoying? I don't, I don't want to be annoying, and um, in fact, I kind of fear it. I don't, I don't want anybody to think, man, you know, that Jared, he's, he's really, really annoying. And I, I think about it probably way, way too much. Um, I have this thing about I, I fear kind of losing my hearing, you know, later in life. And so I'm, I'm a little, I don't want to be that person that's always like, turn that TV down, I can't hear what they're saying. Or, you know, what'd you say? I mean, that's, I don't want to be that guy. And I know that it's probably coming uh, to all of us and there's not much we can do about it, but I don't want to be uh, annoying. Um, also, I'm the person that in the, in the parking lot, the crowded parking lot, I'm the person that will let the other person go and take the last perfect parking place just because I don't want them to be annoyed with me. You know, anybody ever do that? No, okay. So I'm the only one that's afraid of, of being annoying. Well, maybe you don't worry about being annoying to other people. Perhaps you should. I'm not going to judge. But I am. And I did a little research. And I, I, I reached out and found a study that has been conducted where people reported on the things that they thought were the most annoying. Okay? And things that people do every day in life that are annoying. And I thought I might share a few of them with you. So as we go through this list of annoying behaviors, if you do any of them, don't take it too hard because all of us, can be a little annoying at times. Amen? All right. All right. Here we go. Annoying behavior number one, using your phone in conversation while talking to someone. You know what I mean? You're having a conversation with somebody, and they're constantly putting their phone in your face. Look at this. Let me show you this. Let me show No? Annoying? Okay. I think it's annoying. All right. How about this? Uh, wearing too much perfume or cologne. Yeah? You get that? You're like, whoo. That's some strong stuff. Okay, how about this one? Using all caps. Is that annoying to, to anybody? Okay, stop shouting at me, right? <laughs> how about this? Some people find this annoying. Humble bragging. Humble bragging is when you take every conversation that you're in and you somehow turn it around to a story about how heroic you are. You know what I mean? You know people that are that way? Okay, a little annoying? Yeah, I know. All right, how about this one? Not being ready, not being ready to order when you get to the counter. How many of you find that annoying, right? It's like you've been there, you've been waiting in line, you've been looking at the menu intently for five to seven minutes. Now it's your spot up there and you're like, hmm. Well, that kind of goes really closely with the next one. And that is starting any order with, um... Can I get a, uh, you know, like I find that annoying because obviously you're standing at the counter and you're ordering. Of course you can get a, a large fry, right? You just need to say, I want a large fry. Okay, it's really obvious that I think about this way more than you guys do. Maybe you're being quiet because you do all these things. I don't know. All right. Number seven, talking ad nauseum about how busy you are. 
It's like, oh, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm super busy. I was here. I was there. I was really doing this, and I probably don't even have time to have this conversation with you right now. You know people that way. All right. This one I'm very guilty of. Parking too close to the line in a parking lot. Yeah? You go to get out, but this big F-250 is parked way over the line, and you can't even get out the door because he's taken up too. Yeah, it's annoying. Okay, how about this? Going to an express checkout with more than 10 items. I do this, and I feel your hateful glares <laughs> when I'm there with my 20 items, and you're going, mm. yeah, it's annoying for some people. How about this one? Fish, uh, no, not replacing the toilet paper roll and or leaving the toilet seat up, right? Is that annoying to aggravate you? Also, studies have shown that in offices and in homes, usually there is one person that becomes the person that will replace the toilet paper rolls. Is anybody that person in your home? You're that person that will replace? Yeah, okay, good. Everybody who raised their hands looked at their other people like, yeah, I do it. Why don't you do it? <laughs> it's pretty annoying to have to be that person. How about fishing food out of your teeth at the table? Yeah? Nobody likes that, right? It's kind of, it's kind of annoying. How about uh, clicking a pin, you know? <laughs> Nervous habit. It just kind of drives you crazy a little bit. Okay, uh, I, know you, I know you'll find this offensive. Starting a sentence with no offense. <laughs> if you start a sentence with no offense, basically you're saying, get ready, I'm about to offend you. So here goes. <laughs> All right. Number 14, using overly familiar nicknames like sweetheart or hun. This one gets me like so bad. You go to, you go to a restaurant, you sit down. And, and the wait staff, they're so awesome, but they insist on calling you hun. Like, I'm not your honey. You don't even know me that well. That's, a, that's annoying. I might not be sweet, and you're calling me sweetheart. I don't like it. And then last, talking incessantly about your diet. You know, you're going out to eat, and it's like, well, I can't eat this. I don't eat those things. I don't have any of that. And, and we're like, yes, we know. We know. <laughs> Now, did anybody find anything on that list that you do quite often? Yeah. Well, I think you'll agree with me. In our, in our society, um, we don't have a lot of patience for things that are annoying, do we? We're, we're, like, we're like zero tolerance for annoying things. And we, and we judge people harshly, don't we, when their behavior is just a little too much. You know, like that guy, he's, he's too much, so... I, I don't like that, you know. But I think that we do a disservice in our relationship with God when we carry those kinds of, you know, judgments and those kinds of sensibilities into our relationship with God. Because it's far too easy to operate with this belief that somehow God is someone who is easily annoyed with us. You know, like, well, God, he's up there in heaven and He's probably mad because I did this or that, you know. We think of God sometimes as a harsh critic who is analyzing our every motive and our words and our, and our thoughts. And we tend to believe that we serve a God who is ready to be ticked off with us. And in a world that's filled with annoyed people who are annoyed at annoying things, we tend to believe that God is just like that, annoyed with us. And the place that it creeps in the most is in the area of our prayers, in the area of our prayers. And I don't know about you, but so often I, um, I don't take a thing to God in prayer. I don't take a need to Jesus because I don't feel like I deserve him answering my request. Maybe I, maybe I feel like I haven't done enough good things to merit him listening or that he would do something good for me. And then other times, like, I'll be praying for things, like, for a long time for me, which is maybe like three days, and nothing happens. And when that, and when that happens, then I, then I tend to go, well, you know, uh, God's not answering. And so I just kind of quit. 
If I don't see an answer quickly, I stop praying about it. I figure that Jesus kind of knows what I need, and I don't want to bother him. I don't know if you feel that way, but I feel that way sometimes. And I begin to think things like, well, I guess that wasn't a good ask, or I guess that he just doesn't want to answer this one. And if I'm not careful, I'll just stop praying altogether because I think that the whole exercise of prayer is something for people that are like more worthy than me. For those um, super spiritual, you know, spiritual studs, you know, like they, they really got it. And prayer is for people like them. And I don't pray because I, I don't want to draw any more attention to my unworthiness to my brokenness, and let's just be honest, I just don't want to become an annoyance to God. Like, stay off of his radar, maybe. But this is the way that relationships and families and business world, that's the way things work in our world. In the kingdom of this world, it's all about, I will do for you if you do for me. Or, hey, this person was nice, so I'll be nice in return. But in the upside-down kingdom of Jesus, everything's different. Everything is different. You might want to write this down in your notes. In the upside-down kingdom, presenting our needs in prayer, it doesn't have anything to do with earning or with our worthiness. It's not about being good enough. It's not about having done enough things to earn the trophy of being able to ask Jesus for something. And I really want you to hear this, friends who are following Jesus. It's certainly, certainly not annoying to God to hear you make a request to Him. Our God is not annoyed. And I, I want to... Um, tell you a story that kind of reminds me of this thought. This is my, um, one of my granddaughters, Nova, and she has in her hand a marshmallow, right? And uh, about, back in November, we were having a big camp out in the backyard. We had a tent, we had a fire, and for the three oldest granddaughters, we, we roasted marshmallows. Now, if you ever roasted marshmallows with toddlers, you know that there's fire and charred marshmallows and stickiness all over everything. It's not a perfect affair in any way. But that night, the roasting of the marshmallows made a huge impact on my granddaughter, Nova. And so, ever since then, whenever she comes to my house, she says, Pappy, I want a roasted marshmallow. Like, every time. Doesn't matter what time of day. Doesn't matter what we're doing with the craziness going on. Pappy, I want a roasted marshmallow. And so one day, a few weeks ago, um, Nova and her sister Olive came over to the house. And it was right about dinner time. And as they arrived, uh, Jen and I were cooking. And we're really, really busy. And she walks in the door, Pappy, I want a roasted marshmallow. And of course, I say, okay, okay, um, can't do that right now. We're cooking dinner. We're really busy. Just, just wait. And uh, she says, Pappy, I want a roasted marshmallow. I can't do it right now. I'm sorry. So we get through dinner. We cook the dinner. We put all the food out there. Nova doesn't eat a bite of her food because I want a roasted marshmallow. And we can't have it now. We have to eat. So anyway, we get up. We go on. And we just want to go outside. And so we end up going outside, having a wonderful evening outside. And the whole time, Nova's saying, I want a roasted marshmallow, Pappy. I want a roasted marshmallow. And, uh, of course, it's time to come in, and they've gotten really dirty, so it's bath time, and the sun's going down, and we're getting them all clean, and all through the bath. Pappy, I want a, most, I want a roasted marshmallow. I want a roasted marshmallow. Like, okay, 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 when we get out of the bath. But you know what? It had gotten late, and it had gotten tired, and so we, we well, and I, to be honest with you, uh, our grandkids sometimes wear us out, all right? And we were tired, and we just said, hey, Let's go to bed. So I get, I get Nova, and I take her to the bed, and we're laying down in the bed, and she is still saying, Pappy, I want a roasted marshmallow. Pappy, I want a roasted marshmallow. And, you know, I'm like, oh, man, like we're already in bed. They're clean. I don't want to get that all out. It's going to be sticky. No, no, no. And so I just start singing Jesus loves me to her over and over again to try to drown out the requires for the roasted marshmallow, you know? She closes her eyes. I'm singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And she opens up one eye and says, Pappy, I want a roasted marshmallow. But I persist, man. I just keep going. 
I keep singing, I keep patting her, and she falls asleep. Like, yes, Pappy wins the victory. Till about daybreak, when I'm laying in my bed, and Nova comes walking out of the room where she sleeps and stands right at the edge of my bed, about this far away from my face, eyes wide open. I wake up to her saying, Pappy, I want a roasted marshmallow. So we had roasted marshmallows for breakfast, right? Of course we did. What else, am, what else am I going to do? So this is a story about a little girl who's persistent. And Jesus tells a very, very similar story in Luke chapter 11. And I want you to go there with me. Luke chapter 11. In this uh, chapter, we're going to try to understand what Jesus is trying to teach us about prayer. This is... Um, Jesus' teaching in response to the question, teach us how to pray. And uh, he not only gives the most quoted and prayed prayer of all times, but he also gives a little bit more for us to grab onto this morning. So let's start. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. I think this is so interesting. Jesus is off by himself praying. They're watching him. And something about just seeing Jesus connecting with his father wakes up something in his followers. And they I want to do that. They say, teach us how to do that. Teach us how to pray. And of course, Jesus says it this way. This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. And I believe here that Jesus not only gives us a model prayer, that is a great prayer to pray just like he gave it, but he also gives us a model for praying. And let me tell you, people of God, you will never, ever go wrong using Jesus' prayer here. When you don't know what to pray, praying our Father who art in heaven is a good place to start. And also, it's a good thing to use this prayer as areas in which you can guide and grow your prayer life. And so we've talked a lot about praying and about the Lord's Prayer here at the Crossing. We've taught about it several times. But I want to call our attention today to the fact that Jesus' teaching on prayer does not stop there. In fact, he's got more to say about prayer. So let's pick it up in verse 5 and go on. Then, teaching them, what's the next word? More. He's talking more about prayer. Teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Now let me just time out right there. That's an annoying behavior, okay? <laughs> you go to somebody's door at midnight. Hey, I need, I, need, I need some. Yeah, we're sleeping, right? So this is an annoying behavior. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. He sounds a little frustrated, doesn't he? Like, ah, not now. Are you kidding me? Can you believe this guy knocking on my door at midnight, right? This is kind of the, the feel of what we're, the story that Jesus is telling. Verse 8, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, <laughs> If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your, and there's those two words again, shameless persistence. Shameless persistence. Then Jesus goes on and says it like this. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. 
and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Write this down in your notes because it's a very, very simple lesson that Jesus is trying to help us understand here. Jesus encourages us to not be put off easily. Don't be put off easily in prayer. To stay with it and to not give up. Somebody say, don't give up. Don't give up. This is Jesus' point here. Now, he's showing the fact that in human relationships, you know, in the kingdom of this world, persistence pays off, right? In the story, even though this was a friend, that wouldn't get the guy up. But if he keeps knocking on that door long enough, he keeps wrapping that door in the middle of the night and shows no sign of giving up, eventually the guy's going to get up and give him what he's asking for because of his persistence. And I really want to help, help us understand, Jesus is not saying, don't think this for a second, Jesus is not saying that our Father in heaven is like a neighbor who doesn't want to be bothered. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is that in prayer, we should continue to be persistent in the asking. So you might want to write it down like this. Persistence in prayer is a necessary component of learning to pray. You're trying to walk with Jesus, take your next steps with God, and praying is a big part of that. If you are going to continue to grow in your prayer life, Keeping going is a big part. Persistence, not being put off when circumstances don't line up, when the answer doesn't come quickly. Not giving up is a big part of learning how to pray as Jesus taught. That's why he says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, because everybody who asks and keeps on asking receives. Everybody who seeks and keeps on seeking finds. Everybody who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door shall be opened. Guys, it's like this. Just the action of asking and seeking and knocking, it, it does something inside of us. It, it, it puts into faith our belief that God is who he says he is. When we ask, it puts into play an act of faith. Just that asking and seeking and knocking, it does something deep, when, deep within us when we ask, when we seek, when we knock. You might want to write it down like this. Persistence in prayer puts me in a position of dependence on Jesus. Simply the, ask, the, the act of asking is really an act of trust. Because when I say, Jesus, I need this. Lord, I seek you for this item or this thing in my life. What we're really saying is, I believe in you, Jesus. My, my faith looks to you to be the answer. It looks past me and it looks to you. In the asking is an act of dependence. It's admitting that you need Jesus for help. It's an act of dependence. Now, probably a lot of you, and, and I feel this way so often, you experience doubts with this. When he says ask and seek and knock, you, you go, maybe I'm bothering God. Maybe I'm becoming annoying. Maybe I don't deserve to ask. Like I haven't done enough to deserve this privilege of asking. And then maybe, we, maybe you doubt and you wonder and you say, well, you know, if I ask, will I, will I receive? But I want you to see that Jesus hits that doubt like head on. Because in the upside down kingdom of Jesus, he simply says, I say to you, ask and it will be given. Ask. Jesus must have seen that his followers and maybe us today, maybe he looked out into time and saw me and you today. And he could see that we would be a little skeptical. That we would go, ah. I'm not sure about that. And so he repeats that, ask. He repeats it in a different way. He says, keep on seeking and you will find. And then again, for a third time, he says, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. 
And then Jesus knows human nature so well that he goes on the fourth time. For everyone who asks, receives. And maybe I'm just still not getting it. I'm still not convinced. So he says it the fifth time. Everyone who keeps on seeking finds. And then the sixth time, he says, to everyone who keeps on knocking, the door will be opened. So I ask you, why does Jesus say it six times in different ways? I believe that's because he knows our tendency to doubt. Maybe he's given us an example of persistence. You might find it very difficult to believe that God would give you anything. But Jesus just lingers on this point in his teaching about prayer. He doesn't, he doesn't get off of it very fast. He stays there, helping me work through my doubts. He says, asking leads to receiving. And we know this because the scripture says in James chapter 4, verse 2, that you don't have because you don't ask God for it. So asking in itself, that action, is actually preceding receiving. It's part of it. The disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray. And what does he tell them to do? Ask. The teaching on prayer isn't all about learning the right formulas and the the abilities to put some credit in the bank so that God will pay out. In fact, Jesus says, when I want to teach you how to pray, I just want you to go to God and ask him. So, It's a place where we put our faith and our belief into action by actually making our request to God in the form of an ask or a seek or a knock. And I believe that Jesus, if he was here in this room today and could sit down at a chair with you, he would say, in order for you to grow with me, in order for you to experience a deeper fullness in your walk with me and in your faith, I want you to ask me for things. I want you to actively ask me, persistently seek me, shamelessly, without embarrassment, continue to be that person that knocks on heaven's door. Are y'all still with me? Yeah, knocking on heaven's door. Now, you might be here in the room and you're like, you're going, okay, Jared, that's, that's cool for you, but I can't ask God. I can't ask God for stuff because I haven't been following him long enough. Or, I can't expect God to do something for me because I haven't done enough for him. But listen, that's the way the world thinks. That's the way the kingdom of this world works. That I do something and then I get something in return. In the upside down kingdom of God, it's all about grace. It's all about the Father's love. It's all about his mercy. He says, ask. Seek. Knock. So, even though we might fear, we might have doubts that keep us from asking, there might be others of us in this room that have fears about who it is we're asking. And this is where it really um, comes down to our belief about God. Maybe you don't ask in prayer because of the fear of what you might receive or that it won't be good. Or that God himself wouldn't, do, wouldn't ever do anything nice to you. That, that's a question, guys, about the very nature of who God is. And Jesus, again, he knew that we would feel this way, and he starts to talk about it in the scripture. Let's go on in the passage. Verse 11. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Okay, dads only. Answer that question. Come on, dads. No. No, you don't. If they ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? No. Let me help you dads out. No. We don't do that. Okay? Jesus says it like this. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Jesus answers the question himself. Of course you don't. Of course you don't. And then verse 13 says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more will God the Father give you something good for those who ask? So Jesus uses this analogy of a human father. 
If a child asks for a fish, no father would give them a snake. If a child asks for an egg, no father would give them a scorpion. I'd like to say it this way. It's unthinkable that a father would treat his children harshly. Now, I know we live in a broken world, and there's some bad dads out there. But for all of us to get an understanding, we know as a father, you gave life to that kid, right? You care. There's no way that even human people, it's unthinkable to think that a father would treat a child like that. But Jesus then goes on to say, God the Father is so good. He is so, so good in comparison with we human fathers. You know, human, human fathers and mothers are just kind of sinful or they miss the mark compared to God the Father. And it is inconceivable that God would treat us like that. We sang it. You're never going to let me down. You are good. That's who God the Father is. Now, I know this is hard because humans let us down, don't they? And you might be here today and your relationship with your father can be challenging. Your relationship with your father and mother, your grandparents, could have communicated some things to you that you are sliding into your belief of God that are negative. You might, you, might, you might have had harshness. You might have had that kind of judgmental, critical feeling from your upbringing. But Jesus is trying to draw the comparison and saying, the Heavenly Father is not like that. He's good. He is so good. We have a good Father who gives good gifts to His children simply because He loves us. Simply because he cares about us. And then here in this moment, the teaching of Jesus on prayer takes a very interesting turn. And I want you to see it here. Because for the first time in all this talking about asking, seeking, and knocking, we see one request that a follower of Jesus might make. And that is for the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What is he talking about here? Well, we know that the disciples walked very closely with Jesus for those three years that he was there before the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. And in John chapter 14, 15, 16, Jesus says, When I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. My Spirit is going to come to you. And you will be able to stay connected to me. You'll be able to have a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, once I leave, what, what, what Jesus is saying here, if you want to have a deep, meaningful relationship with me, if you'll ask for it, God will give you the Holy Spirit, and it'll happen in your life. You're not, it's not about whether you deserve it. It's not about, I can receive the Holy Spirit if I have done enough good things. I can have a close relationship with, uh, with the Lord if I follow all the rules? No. He's saying that an ongoing, deep, amazing walk with me, with God, comes by the asking. Simply by the asking. Simply by the asking. Jesus is letting his followers know that this close, continuing relationship with the, is possible. All we have to do is receive it. Ask for it and receive it. But we fear this. We worry about it. We question it. We wonder if we measure up to having a close relationship with God. Some of you are sitting here today and you're going, man, I'm just, I'm just starting my relationship with Jesus. My life was really going this way. Now I'm belonging into this community and I'm believing in Jesus. But I just don't know, right? We fear sometimes that we can't experience this kind of nearness where we can hear his voice and know his guidance and receive his peace. We think that that thing is only for the super spiritual. Like it's only for the ascended masters, you know? Those who sacrifice so much to achieve it. But Jesus says in his upside down kingdom, it's different. You can know me. 
You can experience the life that I have for you if you'll ask, if you'll seek for it, if you'll hunger and thirst for it. You can have it. Even if you feel feelings of unworthiness and and brokenness and inadequacy, Jesus says he'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And I I struggle with this sometimes. Perhaps you do too. You 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 might say, you know, it's easy to believe for my circle pastor that God would really bless them with good things. It's easy to believe for um, somebody who's like a worship leader, that God would do nice things for them. But for me, it's not for me. But Jesus does not say, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to all of those advanced Christians? (laughs) He says, how much more will the Father give the gift of the Holy Spirit to anyone who will ask? So I just want to encourage you today. If you want a deeper walk with God, if you want to go into neat places with the Lord, it's there for the asking. It's there for the seeking, remembering that when we ask, we're putting into into action our faith, and it puts us in a place of depending on God. If you look at your notes, I want to kind of wrap up our teaching today with giving you three takeaways. In the kingdom of Jesus, this upside-down kingdom that's different than the way the world lives, when you pray, you should, first of all, actively ask. Actively ask. Yes, he already knows what you need, the scriptures say. Yes, you have already asked him before. Just ask. Jesus wants us to ask him. He wants us to talk to him in prayer. He encourages shameless persistence. Remember that when you ask, it puts you in a place of dependence on God. And persistence is all about the second thing. Be persistent in asking. Be persistent in asking. Um, There's things, you guys, that you have been praying about for a very, very long time. Deep like deep needs in your heart. People that are really on, on your soul, man, you care. But sometimes you just have given up on praying. You, know, you don't take it to God anymore. It's like it slipped out of that place of trusting in God. And, and if you really want to be honest, you've just kind of given up. But Jesus is encouraging us to be persistent in the asking. Shamelessly persistent. And then finally, if you'll write this down, he's asking us to, when in prayer, believe in the goodness of your Father. That's what the scripture teaches us. We should believe in the goodness of our Father. How much more will the Father give good gifts to those who ask? We have a God who is good. Believe it, put it into action by asking him in prayer for what you need. I want to ask you right now just to close your eyes, put up your notes just for a second, and get still, because we're going to just take a few moments and do a little prayer exercise together. We're going to take a moment and try to apply what we've heard today from God's Word before we worship together and end our time. So heads are bowed around the room, if you would, just kind of still your heart, and I would pray, Holy Spirit, speak to us in this moment. Just all across the room, all the different places that we are, all the different years and experiences of walking with you, wherever you may find us, speak to all of us in this next moment, I ask. Guys, if you could, just sit still in God's presence for a moment. And I want to ask you a couple questions. As we've been looking at the scriptures that say, ask, seek, knock. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. What has God brought back to mind for you that still needs an answer? What has God brought back to mind to you, that thing that is a burden on your heart that you care about immensely, but you're not praying about it like you should, you're not praying about it like you once did. Your passion for it has decreased or waned or disappeared. That's the question. What is it that God 
highlights in your heart that you go, yeah, that, that's the thing I, I really need from the Lord. Perhaps it's a relationship that's broken, needs to be healed. Perhaps it's a son or a daughter or a grandson or a granddaughter that is not a follower of Jesus, but you've been praying and it's been so long now it's kind of slipping out of your mind. Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's a something that's not working correctly in your body and you've just come to just kind of live with it. What is it that God is highlighting to you this morning as something that you need to ask Him for? Maybe it's the first time you've ever asked Him for it. Maybe, maybe you once did a lot, but you don't anymore. Maybe it's something that you ask Him for every day, but your faith is just pumped up. Whatever that item is, whatever those things are for you, I want to encourage you to do one of two things. Just a moment, as we sing together, worship, I'd like to ask you to, to either do one of two things. Either come forward to this open space that we have kind of in the front while they're singing in just a moment and just begin to ask God for that thing that he's highlighted to your heart. Ask him. Seek God for an answer. Or, if perhaps the words for prayer just don't come very easy for you and you would like to have someone pray with you, I'm going to ask in just a minute when the music starts that our circle pastors that are here would just kind of be on the sides of this room and in the back of this room. And if you say, man, I, I really got something, but I have a hard time praying myself, please stand up from where you are in just a moment and go find one of our circle pastors. They would love to pray with you and ask and seek and knock. Basically, the response time in these next few moments is going to be doing exactly what Jesus told us to do. And that is, ask the Father for what we have need of. So in these next few moments, as we worship, I encourage you, don't let it pass you by. Don't think it'll happen another time. Do it now. Come forward, spend some moments just talking to the Lord, or find one of our circle pastors and prayer leaders and they want to pray with you let's just rekindle the asking let's re-spark up the seeking let's knock on heaven's door one more time for these needs just like Jesus taught us
we believe that. As we seek you first, Lord, you take care of everything. As we go today, we just want to leave you with a few steps that you can take this week, something that maybe you can get a hold of and put into practice. So this week, would you consider maybe making a short list of the things that you need? You know, maybe maybe you just try to keep it all under wraps and you don't really want to talk about it, but maybe this is a good step to take a notebook, a piece of paper, and just write down what is it that you are asking God for. Physical, spiritual, emotional, any need that you have, write it down. Another step is set a reminder on your phone to ask for one of the things on your list each day. And this is really beginning to practice shameless persistence. See, it's a, it's a lie of the enemy to make us think that our Father doesn't want to hear from us or doesn't want us to bring our needs, our requests to Him. But this is a step that we can take. I, can, I use my phone all day, every day. So I can, I can use it for something good, and I can set a reminder that at noon, I'm going to pause, and I'm going to once again say, Father, you see, you know, and I'm asking you one more time, help me, provide for me, heal me. A third, a third step, maybe this week you can ask a family member or a friend what it is on their list, what it is they're asking God for, and join with them in prayer. As we take our needs to God, it's so good to see our friends, our family, our brothers and sisters who have needs also, and we join with them and take our needs to our Father together. He is good. He is for you. The battle is already won. He's done it. This week, we are going to take steps in shameless persistence, asking our Father for what we need. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And this week, may we practice shameless persistence in our walk with Jesus. God bless you guys. You're dismissed.